It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. You're listening to BGN Radio. Thrown out to the far side of the bubble screen and running in for the touchdown is Jeremy Macklin. Right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly. Mm. And part of the Liberty Broadcast Network. We have made it to episode numero 60. Uh, the podcast should retire, but it you know it didn't have a savings account, didn't invest in its IRA, so it has to continue to keep working. You know, it's it's got to provide for the, the family in the condo in Florida. So we are uh, glad that you have joined us. If you're listening to us here on uh, BleedingGreenNation.com or LibertyBroadcast.co, as uh, there's a couple of good shows that are coming along. There's, uh, of course, again, if you... Don't know, we've partnered up with uh, Tony Bruno and Kyle Scott from CrossingBroad.com. You can go check out that content along with ours there uh, pretty much every week. I know Tony was just at uh, Tony Luke's doing a wing eating contest, being a celebrity judge there. That episode should be out. And, of course, our good friend, uh, Mr. ESP, Elliot Shore Parks, uh, joined Kyle. Talk a little bit of Sixers, a lot of bit about the Eagles. So that's all at LibertyBroadcast.co. Also, just to, just to throw it out there, Tickets have been purchased. We are going to do a couple another t- uh, couple of uh, different ticket giveaways. I know we have uh, Dallas when they come into town. I think that's going to be an important one. Seattle also, back-to-back, we'll be giving those away. So just a heads up on that. We'll be cooking up something here soon. But uh, let's welcome everybody in as the uh, whole entire gang here, except for one member who's going to join us in just a little bit. Mr. Brandon Lee Gelton, editor-in-chief of BleedingGreenNation.com. What's happening, my friend? Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, Mr. Goulton. <laughs> uh, that lame joke will not be edited out. And, of course, from my 97.5 The Fanatic. And, of course, you can hear him on uh, This Week in Fantasy every week right here on BGN Radio. Mr. James Zeltzer, what's happening, my friend? Johnny, episode, I'm going to help you out here. Episode numero 60. <laughs> That's how you do it. See, we went through... Actually, Actually, off air, which was kind of crazy. We didn't. I didn't meet James until I think we were just, I, I, just like the same how I met Mike and Brandon. He, I had just invited him onto this little stupid podcast that I was doing, which nobody really listened to. We just found out we went to the same uh, elementary and middle school in, up there in Bucks County when we were floating around. So uh, uh, we are, time. yeah, we are, uh, you know, picking up on old teachers. Uh, are uh, you know comparing uh, Spanish teachers and. 
checking out our dicks. I don't know what that has to do with comparing schools, but we're doing it anyway. More importantly, uh, big matchup again. Well, I don't know how big it is. I'm I, Again, it's kind of like one of those, it, it might be a little hard to get up for, but it's still a very important game now that Dallas lost uh, to Washington and Colt McCoy. You're my hero. That was a very fun Monday night game. Uh, Brandon, you know, it looks like Kelsey is good to go. Uh, Todd Harriman's torn bicep, but it looks like he's going to somehow try and uh, fight through that. You concerned at all with J.J. Watt and Clowney now being 100% uh, healthy uh, and kind of destroying that side of the line this week? Oh, it's absolutely a huge concern. I mean, J.J. Watt is just a monster. Just look at his stats. You know, he's, he's seven sacks, but he's just, he, he's just pressuring the quarterback so much. Uh, he just does crazy things out there on the field. I mean, you saw it a couple of weeks ago. E.J. Manuel throws a pass, and he just jumps up like Connor Barwin does to, to bat down passes, but he actually gets his hands on it and runs it back like 80 yards or something for a touchdown. I mean, that guy is just a freak of nature. And then you have Jadavion Clowney, who you know could be the next J.J. Watt. I mean, he's just he's a freak as well. He's huge. Uh, you're just not going to stop him uh, from impacting a game. Both of those players are, are really big concerns. Uh, you know, Jason Kelsey, though, did say today that we don't care who we're playing. We're just playing our offense. I don't care if we have Jesus Christ himself on the field. We're running our <laughs> offense. So the Eagles seem confident that they can handle these guys. Well, and I'm pretty confident, too. I mean, I think this, this you're going to run into the same kind of game plan against Arizona. Look, Houston's not that much better. I've, I've said it a couple of times that they couldn't cover a turtle, you know, pooping on the field or anything like that. They're, they're strictly a lot of the time they're in dime coverage. They're really weak in the middle. So, you know, James, we always kind of say maybe more two tight end sets probably or uh, yeah, max protect. I guess that the, that's what that would end up being a lot more Ertz, a lot more attack in the middle of the field. Is that the way you're going to do it again? Are people going to be upset that they're not going to be running the ball? Where do you see them kind of t- attacking them defensively? Uh, yeah, John, I think you're going to see uh, I think you're going to see them attack them through the air. But I, I also think they're going to try and get shady going again. You Look, the Houston defense is not particularly good in either facet of the game. J.J. Watt, obviously a monster, uh, as Brandon talked about it. And just real quick, my favorite Watt stat of the season, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, he has 23 quarterback hits. The next most of any player in the league is uh, so, I mean, this guy's just been been a, a monster there. So I do think you obviously have to account for him, especially when he's lining up all over the line in different spots. Um, but as far as whether it's throw or run or whether you're going to try and max protect that, Houston, outside of Watt, has really not had a ton of pressure on the quarterback. They're, they're not particularly great in that arena. I think Clowney's going to make a difference, but I don't think Clowney's 100% full. I, I don't think we're going to see him on the field every play. I think they're going to manage his snaps. Uh, so, I mean, look, the, the team as a whole has 15 sacks on the season. You take Clowney's seven out of there. That's only eight sacks for the rest of the team, uh, you know, over eight games. So the pass rush isn't that intimidating. Uh, as far as the Russian defense goes, they're 18th in the league against the run. Nothing special, nothing nothing great. At 14th, if you take it down, tied to 14th, uh, tied for 14th, if you look at it on a per-play basis. So they're pretty average when it comes to being a run defense. So I think the Eagles can really decide how they want to attack it and succeed in both ways, uh, You know, especially if Jason Kelsey's back. Uh, the difference that he makes in the run game is obviously clearly apparent. We've seen it over the last few weeks. So um, I, I think that if Kelsey's back, if, if he can give him a, a you know close to 90% of what he normally is effort, 
I think they can run and throw on this defense. And uh, welcome back to screen game, or at least I I hope so, as, we, as they kind of get cooking up. And I think you'll see that a lot more once Mathis comes back, too. But uh, Mr. Patrick Wall, the professor, joins us right now. How are you, bud? Doing great. Sorry I'm late. No, it's fine. The the, uh, the damn SEPTA and all that stuff kind of holds everybody up every now and again. The other thing we're, we're, we're just talking about here, Pat, is just that, you know, Nate Allen is still limited. I don't even know if he win today. Um, are, are you kind of flirting with the idea of wolf and carol maybe interchanging there i know they just signed another safety this week too but kind of a little bit concerning uh even you know given uh alan's kind of big uh big plays that he gave up last week but um what do you expect the, the eagles to do at the safety position this week i think they're going to play or sorry i think they're going to play earl wolf only if they absolutely positively have to it, it from listening to, to chip this week i mean it, he clearly does not really want uh uh, Earl Wolf out there. It sounds like Nate Allen might be kind of 50 50. If I'm Nate Allen, I'm probably trying to push myself to play just because, you know, his job's tenuous at best anyway. So he probably needs to be out there. You know, if if Earl goes, look, I think they're going to try to give him as much help as they can. What good that does, we'll see. But, you know, this might actually, you know, not be the worst week in the world to have a substitute safety in there uh, just because, you know, if, if Houston's going to run the ball as much as I guess a lot of us are thinking they will. Um, hopefully that alleviates some of the pressure off of the safeties and that allows you to maybe uh, substitute and play single high or something like that. But outside of that, I mean, look, the safeties aren't that good. You know, yeah. you kind of have to roll with what you have. And if it's uh, if it's Earl, maybe he uh, maybe he goes out there and, and tries to uh, to shut Chip up. Maybe that's the point of uh, all this uh, smack talk all week. Is, is Earl Wolf your next guy in when Nate's not? Practice. It depends on how we go through training and what package Billy's in and how we're doing. So there's a lot of different variables that go involved in that. So. Is Maragos a guy who would get Maragos is a guy that's involved in the mix. Jalen Watkins is a guy that's involved in the mix. So that's not a slight on Earl. That's just there's there's no one right now that I can say, hey, they got it. Go take it in. Don't practice today. I think he needs to show us to be more consistent in terms of practices, and I think he'll be the first to take well, it. Well, I hope so. And I hope that's why he's, he's doing this stuff. And let's talk about that for a little bit, guys, because what I mean – there are some people that are saying, well, why didn't the Eagles do anything for at the safety position in the trade deadline here, Brandon? Obviously, they weren't going to overpay for Barron like the, the Rams did, and I'm still questioning why they gave up a fourth and a sixth and how Tampa Bay got that. Um, but, you know, it's clear that uh, either whatever's not working there, you know, Ed Reynolds can't can't contribute. You have Earl Wolf there. Um, what what do you why aren't they doing anything with that safety position? Why didn't they do anything with that? Uh, you know, the trade deadline. You look around the league and really not much happened. You know, I think the Patriots traded for a guy. And as Patrick said on Twitter earlier this week, I'm sure they got praised way more than they should have for that. <laughs> uh, you know, and then Barron, of course, got traded. But if you're the Eagles, I don't really think you're giving up a fourth and a six for a guy like that who, you know, I, he I, I, he's terrible. Yeah, and at best, I think that's a lateral move, maybe. And then if, if that's the case, if he's not a clear upgrade, why are you giving away two picks? Right. I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I really think they're not high on Allen, and we saw that in free agency because they just let him sit on the market for a week or so and then brought him back on a really inexpensive deal. I think they probably tried to sign some other guys out there. I know they had interest in the Lions' safety, uh, James Hedebo, if that's how you pronounce it. We'll accept uh, it. <laughs> close enough. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean... I really think it just came down to a lack of options right now. I mean, I, I think they even wanted uh, Haha Clinton Dix in the draft. That was one of the guys sure. apparently that he wanted, but he, you know, he went 
right before or a couple picks before to the Packers. So, I mean, I really think they just haven't had the options there. I mean, they, they signed Malcolm Jenkins. Uh, I think they hoped Errol Wolf could step up more. He just hasn't. I, you know, they probably hoped Ed Reynolds would be able to be further along. Maybe they're, you know, they'll call him up later in the season, like uh, like they did with Keelan Johnson last year. Who knows? But yeah, it's it's really not a stable position at all, but uh, any means right now, except for Malcolm Jenkins back there. Obviously, it's the one you know one of those things that you're gonna have to live and die with again. With you know, there's a lot of people that think Nick Foles is that same way. I'm one of them. There's really nothing that you're gonna interchange here um, with Chip because he likes that consistency so much. I, I think sometimes almost to a fault, but. You know, every time I try and doubt him, he, he proves me wrong because he's way smarter than I am. So um, the other thing, too, that, you know, has been a big concern, the red zone turnovers and just the red zone problems in general. I, I've still tried to figure out what exactly it is. Is it more, uh, you know, Chip call, not calling the right plays? Is it the turnovers? Is it Jason and Evan for much of the first seven games? I think it's a combination of everything. I don't think there's one. I've said it before. There's not one thing. But obviously, when you... When you're missing some guys like that, I think there's a little bit of a different um, feel for what we got going on offensive line-wise because we've been juggling it a little bit. But um, it's not an excuse. We need to do a better job there, and we know that. We need to continue to stay on the field in third-down situations. Um, it's about us executing and converting in those situations. Whatever it is, James, do you have any insight on what exactly they need to do to start scoring even field goals, I'll take at this point, in the red zone? Well, as far as the field goals points goes, it's it's don't turn the ball over. That's pretty simple. Parky's going to hit him. We've all seen that. Uh, I think their issue has been turning the ball over in the red zone as far as that goes. But in terms of getting into the end zone and really putting points up on the board on a consistent basis in the red zone, I don't have a good answer for you. And, and like you just said about Chip Kelly being a lot smarter than you, I think if there were a simple answer that I could figure out, Chip Kelly would have figured it out. Yeah. I, I don't think they're, you know, I don't think they're just saying, oh, it'll work itself out. I think they're trying to figure out ways to fix this problem. Yeah, that's that's what Chip Kelly does. But, um, you know, it's it's one of those things. The windows get tighter. It's a smaller field. It's it's tougher to make those throws. Uh, you question whether you know you have to you have to discuss Nick here. Is Nick making the right reads? Is he getting the ball out quick enough? Is he, you know, finding the right guys in those small situations? But uh, it's impossible to diagnose specifically what it is. I'm sure the run the uh, inability to run the ball, especially in short yardage situations, right. is a huge key. I think J- getting Jason Kelsey back should help there. I mean. You know, the guy's the heart and soul of the offensive line. He's the signal caller. I would argue he's the most important piece on that line. You know, maybe not the most talented if you want to talk about Jason Peters, but in terms of just pure importance to the team, I think Kelsey might be the most important piece on that line. And getting him back will have to help in those situations. Unfortunately, this is a tough week for it. You're going up against the third best red zone defense in the league in Houston. They've only given up a touchdown 48% of the times that teams have been in the red zone against them. So, uh, you know, uh, for right now, don't turn the ball over in the red zone. And like you said, get three points when you can. But uh, you might have to wait another week to really start to solve those red zone issues. Yeah, it's kind of frustrating when you look look at the makeup of this offense. I mean, when we went into the season, I think a lot of us felt like this team had the makings for a really good red zone offense. I mean, one of the things that Chip had stated from day one is that he wanted to get bigger and more physical at some of those offensive skill positions. And look who we have. We've got Jordan Matthews, who's probably, uh, along with Riley Cooper, one of the tallest receivers on the team. You've got some really good, strong tight ends. Um, you know, Ertz and, and even Casey's got a touchdown this season. Uh, Selleck, we all know what he can do. 
Um, so to see that not only can the Eagles not get in, in the end zone, but they're turning the ball over is kind of amazing. I mean, I think a lot of it uh, stems from Nick's uh, decision-making and not even that he's necessarily making the bad, bad decisions, but that he's taking too long to make decisions, period. And when you're out there in, you know, in the red zone and you're in a tight field, the longer it takes to make a decision in, in the end zone, the more likely you are going to be to turn the ball over. And when you don't have the threat of the run, as we've seen between the 20s, uh, you know, you can sell out for the pass, which is a little easier to do in, in the red zone. So um, I think a lot of it comes down to offensive line health. That's going to be huge for the run game, especially. And then, you know, it, it's a microcosm of the rest of the season. Nick Foles has to be better. He has to make better decisions and he has to make them faster. Yeah, absolutely. You kind of keep replaying that that Josh Huff <laughs> interception over and over and over and over again in your head, and it and even a couple of times, just like you know, initially I still thought, yeah, he didn't really miss that much. He missed. He still left a, a couple of obvious spots to be there. Just like yeah, yeah, throw it, throw it. Uh, when you go back and look at the all twenty-two, Josh Huff is the other guy that kind of want to talk about here a little bit because. Well, first of all, <laughs> the the tweeting, I don't know if any of you guys saw this. He was getting mad that, you know, oh, yeah, basically calling out the fans saying, oh, you love it when we win, you hate us when we lose, da 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 da, da. I think a lot of people were, you know, probably saying some pretty awful stuff to him because of the fumble and all that. And I, I'm not, a, you know, that it's Twitter. It happens. But he comes back and, I don't know, he started arguing with fans and all this stuff, BLG. No, always not a good look, right? Yeah, I mean, you really don't want to get involved in that. Uh, you know, I, I can easily see why he's frustrated. I, I can't imagine being an athlete on Twitter, yeah. uh, and especially one who just isn't like J.J. Watt or isn't like, you know, like LeBron. Well, even if LeBron James, I mean, even those guys, I'm sure they get it. But, like, if you mess up, like, people are just going to be so brutal. Like, the, the people things say on the Internet, I mean, there's just no accountability at all. So, I mean, yeah. I'm sure there's some pretty horrible things say that, that mess with your emotions. I mean, he, you know, and, and the thing with him, I think what he was trying to say, but kind of doesn't get the, the message doesn't get across is that, you know, when he says he doesn't care about the fans or whatever, what do you, I think he means is that he appreciates support, but he, you know, he, he can't take this negative stuff and he can't let it, he can't feed into it too much or he can't let it get to him. Cause then, you know, uh, he, he's going to get down on himself or whatever. I'm sure I would if I'm seeing all that negative stuff tweeted at me. You know, I'm sure that it's not always easy to just, you know, brush that off your shoulder and and go about it a separate way. When you have like hundreds of people tweeting at you yeah, yeah. and like, oh, why did you mess up and everything? So, I mean, I mean, he obviously got frustrated. If I was him, you know, I wouldn't say anything, but it is what it is. I'm sure, uh, you know, this is all. He's a rookie. This is yeah. all like rookie mistake. He'll learn from this, I'm sure, and and I, I'm sure it'll work out. Yeah, and I think that's all it really was. It's, it's two rookie mistakes back to back. And and honestly, I know we talked about it on the reaction show, but James, I really have a suspicion that Josh Huff could be the the X factor kind of moving on here. I know there people are probably aren't expecting a lot. I actually think that he has shown enough flashes where I think he can kind of put it together towards the last maybe four or five games of the season. And if they make a run, who knows, uh, more than likely they're going to get in the playoffs. I think he could be the biggest X factor moving forward here. I think he's a little more comfortable with what he's doing than Jordan Matthews is. Um, it's just those things that he's got to fix. Obviously, fumbling is a big one of them. But um, are you a believer in that at all? Or are you still kind of waiting and seeing on what this kid can do? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm part of the way there. I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, the kid shows flashes of electricity on the field that that just show you like, wow, I, I could see this guy taking it to the house on, on any play. Uh, but again, you know, it, it, it just goes back to the fact that he is a rookie. He did miss a, a good portion of time at the beginning of the season, at the end of training camp and leading into the beginning of the season, he's a little bit back from a development standpoint. Uh, and you know, that's something that chip cares about. Chip cares about chip talks about that all the time about guys missing time, not being up to speed, not being fully ready. Uh, so work to do in terms of getting fully up to speed and in terms of getting chip to trust him, uh, you know, putting him in the offense for, you know, a lot of plays where you can actually make a big difference. But um, I do think that the, the talent and the electricity is there. You could easily see this kid turning into something special and a, and a real weapon heading into the later part of the season. Patrick, the other thing that I'm thinking about right now is just on the other side of the ball going into this. Um, you know, Brandon Boykin, for as much love as he gets and for a lot of people that want him on the outside, Larry Fitzgerald really showed – you know, I mean, it's just one game, obviously, but it, it showed, you know, Chip and Billy's kind of discomfort with bigger wide receivers and him going up against them. I would suspect, and this is just me, if I was Bill O'Brien, I'm sticking Andre Johnson in the slot as many times as I can in three wide receiver sets, and I'm making him, you know, uh, cover Andre Johnson. Do you think you'll see any of that? And is that going to be a humongous problem? I hate to say it, but if I'm Bill O'Brien, I'm not really worried about which corner is on my (laughs) future Hall of Fame wide receiver. Um, Boykin, you're never going to find a bigger Boykin backer than me. But, I mean, I was surprised. that To me, that was one of the first games where I've seen him be noticeably uh, not great, which is unfortunate and probably doesn't help his case for starting on the outside with this coaching staff, unfortunately. If I'm Bill O'Brien, I'm moving these wide receivers all around. Obviously, Andre Johnson is going to have a size advantage over Pretty much any corner you put on him, that's part of why he's so good. But, you know, Andre Johnson is kind of an interesting case if you're going to put him on Boykin because what Boykin may lack in height, he's going to be able to make up for a little bit with speed. Uh, That's not counting, uh, you know, such cliches as the savvy vet that is Andre Johnson (laughs) and what he might be able to, you know, pull on the the young pup there. But, yeah, I I mean, this this is a wide receiver class that I feel like is being sort of overshadowed in this game just because of how good Arian Foster and and the defense are, at least from the outside looking in. I could see this being one of those games where like DeAndre Hopkins has like 150 yards and oh, two yeah. touchdowns yeah. and everyone's like, well, where, where did that come from? This is, this is a receiver cl- uh, group you don't want to sleep on. And the corners are going to have to play uh, one of their best games of the season. This is a seriously talented wide receiver group. And speaking of receivers, hey, let's now. not forget... Former Eagles slot yes. receiver and return man, Damaris Johnson. Damaris. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. You know, we, we laugh at Damaris, but I mean, he has some ability. He's not terrible. I mean, he's, he's, I think he's he's done. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I feel like he's done a decent job for the Texans. I don't know. I think the Eagles can handle him, but just worth worth mentioning. Revenge game in mind. Maybe that. Maybe <laughs> that's. Wouldn't that suck if that's the, the guy who burns us? Like Ryan <laughs> oh, Fitzpatrick. Oh, that'd be hilarious. Oh, jeez, yeah. man. Yeah, like twenty four to twenty on a on a game time. You know, same kind of the rinse and repeat that we saw from last week. But I'm um, sticking with that. And Patrick had mentioned Arian Foster. I mean, he is way more the key to this offense than I think Andre Ellington was last week. I think um, that's that's going to be a, a heavy dose of that. 
that's pretty much the the keystone of I I think how to make Bill O'Brien panic if you can hold him down there you know seventy yards or so that's 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 a great uh, that's a great look to it but Brandon do you think they can do that Yeah I'm I'm fairly confident in this Eagles run defense I think that's definitely their strength that's something uh, you guys even talked about on the review show you know and Matt especially just the confidence in this front seven right now. I mean, the biggest concerns with this defense do come in the secondary, but, you know, they're, they are strong up front. And even last year when they were an overall worse defense, you know, they could really hang their hat on being good run defenders. They didn't allow a single 100-yard rusher at all last year except Rashad Jennings in that Raiders game where, you know, it was a blowout anyway. Uh, you know, I, I really think this is a, a unit that can really shut down the run or at least keep it in check, prevent uh, Foster from going for a big day. And I was doing a uh, question and answer session with the Houston Texans blogger, uh, Brett Coleman. And he was really saying, you know, like Arian Foster is the offense here. I mean, if you shut him down, he says, he said, it's really that simple. If you shut him down, you know, they just can't get anything else going. And and I think the Eagles really do match up well against the run there. So yeah, you know I I think you have to look at that matchup and and then you know say it, it is it does lean in Philadelphia's favor. And you know how afraid are we of Ryan Fitzpatrick here, James? Because I mean, even if they are going to c- kind of attack the secondary, I I still don't I still think that's a bad game plan to re- again rely on Ryan Fitzpat- Fitzpatrick to go win you the game. Um, are you concerned at all with that? I mean, is that kind of the forgotten thing that uh, we're looking at here? No, I'm not really. <laughs> I'm not really con- concerned with that. I mean, Fitzpatrick, and I hate the term because it gets used over and over and over again. But I mean, he's the definition of a game manager. He's not going to go out and win a team a game. Uh, he just doesn't have that skill set. He, he's clearly a, an unbelievably bright guy. We all know that uh, Harvard grad. Um, you know, can read a defense, can do all that kind of stuff. But just from a physical talent standpoint, he, he just doesn't have as much of it as other guys in the league. And and you can see it. It's evident on the field. Um, you know, do you have to play smart defense? Yeah, because he will take advantage if you make a mistake. Uh, but if you execute your game plan, if you can put pressure on the guy, if you can get him moving around in the pocket, he's really it's it. I'd be really surprised if Ryan Fitzpatrick tears you apart. I think what what uh, Patrick said a little while ago is total a total possibility. You know, he hits DeAndre Hopkins for three catch three you know three receptions, yeah. but for 148 yards, I could see that in a heartbeat. Um, but you know, in, in that case, again, it would be a, a a situation where the defense made a mistake and Fitzpatrick was able to to take advantage of it. But it, it, if you don't let Ryan Fitzpatrick beat you. He's not going to beat you on his own. And and literally all they have to do is turn their head around. I mean, especially with this team. Just turn your freaking head around and deflect the ball. I don't care about an interception. Just that's all that's all they really have to do. It's all, it's also weird to me that Bill O'Brien just kind of hung his hat on Tom Savage, Ryan Mallett, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. John, real quick. Don't, I mean, I think that's a placeholder, don't you? I think he's planning sure, on sure. I'm, 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 back at some time in the near future. But why pass on anybody that was in this draft when you had the ability to get somebody? That, I think because Clowney was such a special prospect in that top slot. It's like, it, I, I think from a football standpoint, it's like you can't force that issue. You can't take Blake Bortles at one just because you need a quarterback. That you know, That's how teams make gigantic can mistakes. You, Guys end up losing jobs. Can you trade up from... You you know, your second round spot to jump up like Minnesota did and go grab Teddy Bridgewater. 
<laughs> That's what I'm saying. I just, I don't know. I, I, I'm not exactly sure what his pl- plan is. That's all. I think it's possible that he just might not have liked those guys as much, too. Like, he just That's might true. not have been a big Teddy Bridgewater fan. Huge. We're sitting here with Nick Foles at quarterback. You think it's a Chip's ideal quarterback? No. You know, maybe. Early in the maybe. process. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting because I, I, I really can't get a feel for the Houston Texans. I think Brandon had said something this week as a part of, I, you know, they're four and four. We're not really sure who they are. It's they're they, they have a good defense, kind of. They have a great running game. Everything else is kind of meh. Um, I, I don't know if that's the kind of the opponents that they've been facing. I don't think you should take it lightly. You know, I, it, it, Patrick, you scared this might be a little semi-trap game here even though they came off a loss yeah a little bit um <laughs> I, I i like like you were saying john i have a really hard time getting a read on this game i have all week i mean i could really kind of see this being uh a little bit tighter version of the rams game tighter and that the team plays better not that the score is closer you know this is a big game for a lot of guys on this team going back to their old stomping ground so hopefully that gives the defense especially a little juice but yeah i just i have such a hard time with this game I wanted to bring up an interesting stat that I I found while you guys were talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Did you know in half of the games this season, he has thrown 32 or more passes? Wow. With this defense, if if Ryan Fitzpatrick throws the ball 32 times... There's like at least a turnover and a fumble in there, right? Yeah. <laughs> Keep him throwing. Yeah, yeah. That's that's that. I, I think that's exactly what they have to do. Um, but it's um, yeah. I don't know, Brandon. You feeling trap game at all? A little bit. I'm really not. You know, I'm looking at the their their schedule, the Texans schedule, and I'm seeing they're uh, they're two and four in their last six games. Um, they're four and four overall. They're they've only beaten the Redskins in the first game of the season, and they beat the Raiders on the road. They beat the Bills, but that was the game after that game where E.J. Manuel got benched. So, I mean, that's really not the most uh, impressive victory, I would say. And also that game, I think it, it was looking like they were going to lose until J.J. Watt had that ridiculous interception I mentioned yeah. earlier in the show. And then last week they beat the Titans. But, you know, you know, come on, it's the Titans. Yeah. Uh, they, they lost to the Giants. They lost to the Cowboys. They lost to the Colts. They lost to the Steelers. In a horrible uh, fashion, I might add. I think the Steelers scored oh, three, yeah. three touchdowns in less than a minute. So, so this just—they're not a good team. They're just not a very good team, or at least they haven't proved that they're a good team by any means. Uh, but you know, you are on the road, so when, whenever you're on the road, it's always you know something of a question mark. Uh, I think this should be a moderate challenge, but I, I definitely think the Eagles have to win this one and should win this one. Well, we'll get to predictions in just a little bit, but of course, it's everybody's favorite time to get the NFL picks. Hit me! It's time to ring the bell. And play some bets. Hey, I don't want your money punching my money. Here come our NFL picks. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Of course, if you if you don't know us by now, this is uh, the segment of the show where we uh, have a little fun. We go up against the betting lines and we choose uh, anywhere from one to three. Uh, typically NFL games play along at home, make fun of us when we're wrong, praise us when we're right, uh, except for me because my picks have been uh, they've been a little shaky, much like my fantasy sits and starts. Uh, but we'll start out here with uh, Mr. Brandon Lee Gowton. Where are we going to first, my friend? I can't believe I'm doing it. Uh-oh, but I think I know where we're going. We're going to, to Seattle. Yeah. yeah. To take the Raiders. Whoa. Plus 15. Hey. I mean... 
the Seahawks just haven't looked that great recently. And that's that's my whole point with this bet is that, you know, they've they've looked pretty uh, mortal in the past couple weeks. Now, that's not to say the Raiders will win because they're 0-7 and they're not very good. But I, I think they can keep it within the 15 because that Seattle offense just hasn't been really humming at all. I'm sure being back at home will help. But I have to take the underdog here with the points. Uh, James Elser, where are we going to next? All right, we're going down to sunny South Beach, John. Ooh. Little Chargers versus the Dolphins. Conventional wisdom says you don't take a West Coast team going east for a 1 o'clock game. I say screw conventional wisdom, John. <laughs> I'm taking the Chargers in this game. The line open at 1. Even more looking at the lines makes you a little scared. The line open at 1, and now is 1 for the Chargers, and actually is gone the other way. It is now a, a two line for the Dolphins, but I, I just don't buy it. I, I like the Dolphins. I think they have a, a nice running attack. That offensive line is really good, and the defense has some playmakers, but there's no home field advantage for the Dolphins. They're one and two this year at home. They were 500 last year. They've never really had a, a home field advantage. Uh, the Chargers, two on two on the road, so nothing special there, but in week three, they did go to Buffalo, and they won on the road in a 1 p.m. game, and they won it handily. Uh, this week, coming off 10 days rest, so a little more rested for that trip. Uh, they only lost two in a row once, or excuse me, three in a row one time last season. They've lost two in a row. One of those, obviously, in Denver. They've had a tough slate of it the last couple weeks. Uh, this Mike McCoy squad over the last two years uh, is uh, six and three coming off a loss, so uh, I like the Chargers to win it outright. I'll take the two points, but but I think they win it outright. James, you know how much I love Mike McCoy, right? Oh, yeah, you're a Mike McCoy guy, right. John. But do you know much how I hate west to east and east to west? Ring it, John. Do Ring it. the bell! <laughs> Never, ever, 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 ever trust it. I don't care if it's... I, I throw out pretty much all statistics it is a 1 o'clock game in the East Coast. It's going to feel like they're playing at 10 a.m. on the West. I got the Dolphins in a squeaker by a field goal, and I'll challenge James on that. Uh, we are heading to where next, Mr. Patrick Wall? Let's go to the uh, worst place in Pennsylvania. Let's go to Pittsburgh. <laughs> honey, I've never actually I, been to Pittsburgh. Honey, That's totally honey, unfair. Honey, if you're listening, I promise he doesn't actually mean that. I don't mean that. I've never been to Pittsburgh. <laughs> I'm just Trying to incense the fans, guys. Hey, I got, uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, I said this was a super mediocre division. I think it's hilarious how one team plays really well and suddenly they're like a top five team in the NFL and then they lose and then they're like back to being mediocre again. This division is super overhyped for some reason. Uh, with that in mind, the Pittsburgh Steelers are plus one at home, which isn't really that big of a deal, but it's kind of surprising. So I'm going to take uh, Pittsburgh plus one at home against the Baltimore Ravens. I want to do it so bad. Do it. Guess what? I'll do, do it. it. Yeah. There is, there is. I, I, look, the Steelers are coming off their best outing of the season. They put up 51 points against the Colts. An exhilarating, exciting win for that team. Home on a Sunday night. Baltimore coming off a, a hard-fought loss. They're going to be hungry. I, I don't like that Jimmy Smith is out. I think that's a, a big, big loss. But I think the Ravens just... I think they're going to want this game more. I think they're going to go in there and take it. Uh, we are going to next down to the old Kansas City, and we're going to visit our old friend, Mr. Andy Reid, as he is a 10-point favorite against your favorite New York team, the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. 
And uh, uh, I'm not going to even flirt with taking the Jets there. I love Kansas City at home with, uh, you know, minus 10. I think Michael Vick has the probably one of the worst days of his career. And uh, Kansas City just kind of steamrolls this team by a bunch of points. But more importantly, of course, uh, wrapping uh, that up is our predictions for this Sunday, 1 o'clock versus Houston. How say you? Brandon Lee Gowton, how is this one going to end? Legals are two-point favorites on the road. I like them to cover because I'm picking them to win. I'll take them. Houston scores 20. Uh, Eagles 27 or 28. I can't pick between the two. Just 27 <laughs> or 28. Okay. 28 is higher. <laughs> uh, James Elster, how's this one ending? I like that, Brandon. The, the over-under for the game is anywhere from 48 to 49. So Brandon's right now. <laughs> uh, perfect, perfect job there. Uh, I'm with Brandon. Uh, again, going back to what you were talking about a little bit ago, about at being a trap game, I just, it, coming off the loss, that that's what makes me feel like there's no way they lose this game i i know it's a road game and you always got to be leery of a road game i like bill o'brien as a coach john we've had that argument before but um i I just think that i think they match up well like brandon said you know i don't think they're going to stop foster but i think this run defense is is really good and a lot better than people give it credit for i think they're going to find a way to contain watt just enough uh, and I think this offense is going to be able to score on Houston. I even think Shady's going to be able to get some some yards against this defense. So uh, I'm going to take the Eagles, uh, not super handily, but but I see it being 30 to 20. I, I think we can breathe a little easy at the end of the game. The wall, where are we going uh, for your prediction? My uh, my big prediction for this game is that this will be LaShawn McCoy's second 100-yard rushing game of the season. I like that. I think they're going to take the ball out of Nick Foles' hands a little bit, trust in the run game. I like that. Run a whole lot to the left because you don't want uh, Todd Harriman's going out for the season. And you better believe they're going to put J.J. Watt all over him. So I think this is a big game for uh, Jason Peters, LaShawn McCoy, and the Eagles as they win 31-27. to I like that. A lot of closeness uh, in the predictions and... Um I know it might be a little jinxing it here uh, just a tiny bit. I think they just put the freaking screws to them. I know it's another away game. Um, I, they could have done the same thing to Arizona. I have faith that Nick Foles won't be a, ha, won't have to throw as many passes as he did because, as we all know, granted it was working, but still to put it in his hands, not the greatest thing. I think you can run against this team. I definitely think you can throw this against this team. I think it's kind of an up and down butt whooping, and I think it's thirty eight to seventeen of or somewhere around that. I'll take the over. Um, and uh, yeah, it's gonna be uh, gonna be an interesting. I mean, this is gonna be kind of like either very concerned with the loss or very uh, you know this is how we expected things to go uh, this type of year. So hopefully, it kind of comes out positive when we're not all screaming at each other on Sunday night for the reaction show. But with that being said, we thank you so much for listening to episode number 60 right here on BGN Radio. And for myself, John Barchard, for Patrick Wall, for James Zeltzer, and the man in charge, Mr. Brandon Lee Gowton. We'll see you next time right here on BleedingGreenNation.com and LibertyBroadcast.co. You've been listening to BGN Radio right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Fueled by Duncan Philly and part of the Liberty Broadcast Network.